Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 47 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 1st of August 2010, entitled God, the Holy Spirit, Part 9. And the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to be opening your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, we'll be looking there for our scripture reading. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 17. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word, beginning in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, Putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. May the Lord richly add his blessing to the reading of his word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word that we have before us today. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives within. We thank you that we can have the confidence here today that, Lord, that because we belong to you, that that spirit is here to Teach us to make these words alive into our hearts. Lord, we know not the heart of any individual here, but we know that, Lord, you see the inward man. You know the need of each individual. You know the hearts. You know why each one is here. You know what each one needs most in their life at this time. Father, we pray that through the power of that Spirit, which we will be looking at here today, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every heart. We pray that, Lord, for those that are lost, that you would show them their need of salvation. For the Christian that's backslidden, that's away from where he ought to be, that you would 
draw them back, Lord, to that place that for every Christian, you would encourage them and build them up and challenge them and show them, Lord, the potential that is in our lives as Christians today with the power of the Holy Spirit living and working within each of us. We're saying, Christ's precious name we pray. Amen and amen. In dealing with this subject of the filling of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life, we have seen in Scripture, and of course today we're up to part nine in just the teachings on God the Holy Spirit, something like number 47 in our series on contending for the faith. God the Holy Spirit. And just this matter of the filling of the Holy Spirit, we have seen in Scripture the command to be filled. It is not something that should be optional with us. We can either obey God in being filled with His Spirit, or we can disobey God and continue in the flesh. We've seen the control of those filled, that being filled with the Holy Spirit it's not you getting more of God. It's God getting more of you. It's you giving up that control, getting self out of the way, and God having total and complete control of your life. We've seen the consequences of being filled. On those who we have examples of in Scripture, we looked at all of those where God shows us what happened to these individuals when they were filled with His Spirit as well as last week we looked at the consequences on the present-day believer, upon you and I. What happens in our lives when we are filled with the Holy Spirit? And, of course, we move to the conditions of being filled. What are the conditions? How can you and I have the feeling of the Holy Spirit as a reality in our lives, not just something that we know about? We looked last week at some helps, some helps that the Scripture gives us for being filled. Today we want to touch on some hindrances to being filled. If the feeling of God's Holy Spirit, our lives being filled, if it is so important, if it is so vital as we've seen in the believer's life, there are things that the Scriptures teach us that will help us to experience and know the reality of God living in our lives and knowing that He's there and knowing that He's in control of our lives. We've seen that's true. And it should also stand to reason that if there are things that would help us, there could be things that would hinder us from knowing that presence, from knowing that control of God in our lives. Of course, it should stand without reason that we ignore, if we ignore the very things that God gives us and teaches us that would help us, then that in itself would be a hindrance. But apart from that, I want us to look today into Scripture, and I just want to give you two simple words, two simple words that if you'll remember these, that they will help you at least. This idea of when it comes being filled with the Holy Spirit of God will help you in 
keeping those hindrances out of your life that would make that a difficulty and a challenge for you. The first we find in our reading here today in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, the scripture that you see on the screen before you, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now we've established in Scripture that it is the work of God the Holy Spirit that will convict us, show us our sin, and bring us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Within ourselves, we would not recognize that sin. That is precisely what we will see as we look back in this passage where it begins in verses 17 to 19 that these that are saved should no longer be acting like those that aren't. When their understanding was darkened, when they didn't know the truth, we find that it's only God the Holy Spirit through the Word of God that can convict and show us that need and bring us to the Savior. Of course, we've also established that when it comes to that moment that you genuinely repent, turn your back on your sin, and turn to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. When you repent and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that forgiveness that can only come through him and his shed blood, we've seen at that moment God in the person of the Holy Spirit moves into your life. He takes up residence within. He dwells there within you, baptizing you into the body of Christ. As we see in this verse here, sealing us until the day of redemption. As a believer, your relationship in Christ is sure and it's guaranteed. When the Holy Spirit moved in, when he took up residence within you, which we've seen all those things, that was precisely one of the reasons that Jesus said that he would be coming was he, God himself, in the person of the Holy Spirit that he says here, sealed you until the day of redemption. What is the day of redemption? Of course, speaking of that bodily redemption, the day the Lord Jesus Christ returns for you in the rapture. The day the Bible says that that old body will be put away with. The Bible says it will be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We find that we'll see in this passage that I would say to you today that it is that body that body that we await the redemption of. Boy, you can read Romans chapter 8. If I go there today, we'll never get away to anywhere else, but the Bible speaks so clearly of it there. That body, self, that is our big problem today. God the Holy Spirit is the one that's dwelling in you. He is the guarantor that you're safe, that you're secure until you have that redeemed body. 
It would take someone mighty and more powerful than God himself in order for him to fail you today. That's a pretty powerful guarantee. And as believers, boy, that should make us feel safe and secure in his hands. You see, the point of this verse is that though God the Holy Spirit, if you, are no longer that one that was walking in darkness, but you have become one of God's children. God, the Holy Spirit, He is there dwelling within you and He is not going anywhere. But as He lives and dwells within you, He can be grieved. He says, grieve not, the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption, that very one, God the Holy Spirit, that lives within you, that as you sealed until the day of redemption, don't grieve him. Now, what do we mean by grieving? It's not really too hard to figure out. To grieve means to cause pain, to cause distress, to make someone sorry. We get it from the same word as grief. To grieve is to cause grief. As we see here, it's not possible to lose his presence because he's going to stay within that body that you're in right now until you get your new body. It is possible to lose his direction, to lose his control in your life. We're being told not to cause God, the Holy Spirit, that's there with us, not to cause him pain, distress, grief. What will cause that grief? Well, God gives us some pretty clear details in these verses in this passage before us of things that will do it. We find that, first of all, notice... <laughs> what he said there in verses 17 to 19. Now he's speaking to believers, but he's telling these believers at the church in Ephesus, this I say therefore in testifying, Lord, that ye as Christians henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. They think they've got it all worked out themselves, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them. Why? Because of the blindness of their heart. They're only figuring things out with their mind. And they're blinded. Why? The Bible says, because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. What? Just to do whatever feeds the flesh, feeds the body, makes them feel good in this flesh. Folks, in other words, as a child of God, it brings grief to God. When as a child of God, you still walk like the lost person. When as a child of God, you're giving over to the lasciviousness of that flesh, that desire to feed and to please the sinful you. It brings grief to God when we allow those things 
to be a part of our lives, which ought not to be. Notice what he says in verses 20 to 24. He says, but ye, Christian, ye have not so learned Christ. That's not what you've been shown. That's not what you've been taught. That's not what your life is in the Lord Jesus Christ now. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, and the truth is in Jesus Christ right back, wasn't that why it was promised that Jesus was going to send him, that he could bring us into all truth, that he could be the teacher? That ye put off. Mark those words, underline those words, circle those words in your body that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye, notice these next words, put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, there is a big difference. And a matter of fact, there couldn't be a bigger difference between the old man that you were before you became a Christian and the new man that you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said it brings grief to God when we still live like that old man, which is supposed to have been put off that's not what life in Christ is all about. If God the Holy Spirit has truly moved into your life, if it is Him, God, within you that has taught you the truth which is in Christ, if that old man which was controlled by the flesh and the lifestyle that he lived, if he has been put off, and if the new man, which is controlled by the Spirit of God, which like God, notice he says, is created in righteousness and true holiness, do you realize that you can't get any more righteous, that you can't get any more holy than the Jesus Christ that lives and dwells within you in the person of the Holy Spirit? That new man that's been created in Christ, in him, he says, if you've put off that old man and you've put on that new man, things are going to be different. Notice what he says. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Putting away lying. <laughs> you see, that's not part of the new man. That was part of the old man. It shouldn't be part of a Christian's life. It shouldn't be part of what that new man is that's in Christ. He goes on. He says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You see, as the old man... <laughs> Boy, he'd get angry, he'd get mad, he'd get upset about something. Boy, he wanted to hold on to that. He'd probably want to try to figure out a way that he could get, it, get even and whatnot. God says, don't even go to bed at night and lay your head down with anger present. If things aren't right between you and someone else, I can tell you this, it doesn't matter what they've done. 
Doesn't matter how many times they've done it. None of those things matter. The responsibility upon a child of God that is operating in that new man is to make sure that it's right. It's always upon you to make sure that it's right. He says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give Satan any room in your life. Yes, we've seen that, you know, he's our enemy. He's a real person. He's there. He wants to destroy you. But when you, as a child of God, when you begin to allow that, oh man, the flesh to dictate your actions and your lifestyle and the things that you do, rather than the new man in Christ that's righteous and holy, the problem is, so when we begin to allow those things to happen in our lives, we're giving Satan room to get in, to move in. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Instead of going out and taking what he hasn't worked for that doesn't belong to him, let him, he says, labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Folks, it's a sad thing today, and it ought not to be. I have worked for people in my life that were not Christians and did not claim to be Christians, but that operated and worked in a more godly manner than some people that I've worked with that were Christians. The Bible says, folks, this ought not to be. Don't Bring grief to God. Don't grieve God, the Holy Spirit that lives within you by still living like the old man. If you've put off that old man and you've put on the new man, then there ought to be a difference. And these things ought not to have a part of your life. You see, the truth is, you ought to be the greatest example out there in the workplace. Your work ethics what people see in your life and how you're doing it and how you react. Have you ever messed up? <laughs> said something you ought not to have said? Reacted in a way that you ought not to have reacted? Bitterness, pride, anger. These things come out of you. Why? Because that's the natural sinful old man, the flesh. The problem is, he says to us here that and things are different now. If we continue in these things after the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in us, it's going to cause him grief. He says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. These are the kind of things that will cause him grief. You don't want to cause him grief? And we ought not to let these things be a part of our life. As a spirit-filled Christian, they ought not to be there. Don't let the old man, the self, the flesh, don't let him control you, but rather the God that lives within you. Put off that old man. The Bible says he's dead. We'll see more of that later. 
God gives us some more examples here of the things that are part of self that cause him grief. Verse 31, let all bitterness. Do I need to explain to you what it means to be bitter today? I don't think so. He says, let all bitterness, and of course all these things, he says, be put away from you. Let it be put away. Don't allow those bitter feelings towards somebody or something or some situation. Don't allow them to to exist. Put them away, he says. Wrath, anger, these two are very similar, aren't they? What's the distinction? Well, probably just simply, sometimes it's just a, an outburst that comes without any premeditation, without considering it ahead of times. But sometimes it can be very calculating because we want to get back. We want to get even. They've hurt us and we want to hurt them back. He says, put these things away. Clamor, put it away. The word here literally speaks of the imitation of a, of a raven's cry. Have you ever heard a raven? There's nothing very pretty about the way a raven cries. <laughs> here it would be illustrating the kind of outcry that usually comes with someone being upset over controversy, just making a bunch of noise, evil speaking. Let evil speaking be put away. Sometimes people think evil speaking is just saying bad words. But you know the word that's translated here as evil speaking? You know how else it could be translated? Gossip. 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 And you know what is one of the greatest detriment to Christians' lives today? And what is the greatest detriment to most churches today? Is gossip. It's one talking about another behind that person's back. It's yap, yap, yap talking about, well, they shouldn't have done this and they shouldn't have done that and they ought to be doing this and they ought to be doing that. It's sin, folks, and it grieves God when we go around gossiping and talking, evil speaking, the Bible says, about other individuals. Malice. That really is just a a vicious character Toward someone. The word literally means a badness in quality. <laughs> Something that is the opposite of excellence. We might call it rotten. <laughs> he says, let these things be put away. They ought not to be part of a Christian's life. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by allowing these things to be part of your life as a child of God. And, of course, he gives us a positive action there in verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's the kind of attitude and character that ought to be coming forth from the new man, the one that's filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. You see, in fact, verse 31 here is a cancer. And too often that cancer that's being spewed forth is actually being spread about 
by Christians. Verse 32 is the cure. It's spread forth by the Spirit-filled, Spirit-controlled child of God. When you're operating in the flesh, when you're letting that old man that is dead, that's been put away, he needs to be put away. Put a, he doesn't have to exist in your life anymore. Don't give him any room. Find that we need to let the Spirit have control. Please note that there's one other word in Scripture that gives us another definite hindrance to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice with me, if you would, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The Word of God says, beginning in verse 1, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Isn't it interesting? In both of these passages, he's relating us to when the Lord is coming back for us. The Holy Spirit that's got us sealed until that day of redemption. He says, I don't need to tell you about these things. You know that he's coming as a thief in the night. But when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Now, he says, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. But see, for a non-Christian, they're not going to expect it. When the trumpet sounds, when Jesus Christ returns to this earth, it's going to shock them all. But the fact is, we're supposed to be looking for him. We're supposed to be watching. We're supposed to be expecting him right now today. So he shouldn't take us as a thief in the night, though we don't know the day nor the hour when it's coming it shouldn't surprise us when he comes because we ought to be living and anticipating his return. That's the hope of our glory. Amen. He says, you're the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for one helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. We beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. 
Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Quench not the Spirit. On one hand, he asks us to grieve not the Spirit. Here he says, quench not the Spirit. Simple, straightforward statement. Now, what does it mean? How do we define, what does he mean by quench? Well, it's not real brain challenging. To quench something is to extinguish it. It literally means to, to go out. We use it when we talk about quenching a fire, something that is on fire. To do something to that fire to cause it to go out is what we're wanting to do. We use it when we speak of quenching our thirst, extinguishing it to cause that burning thirst to go out. It's not... Again, something that when we think about it, if we're honest with ourselves, it's not hard to figure out what God is telling us not to do here. Metaphorically, it's sometimes used to speak of disobedience, which is interesting when we look at the use here in relation to the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, I mean, if we're quenching our thirst, the best way to do it is, is, is to quench it with water. Of course, if we want to put out a fire, what do we normally use to put out a fire? What's the first thing we think of? Water. I mean, if there's fire burning and we want to put it out, we just throw the water on it. We douse it, and it puts it out. This is not a hard picture for us to see. Why would God use this word to quench in relation to the Holy Spirit? Well, again, folks, we're not talking about losing the presence of God the Holy Spirit in the believer. We're talking of losing his power, of losing the fire. What would quench or cause the fire of God's Spirit to go out? within us. He's still there. 
He's still present. But the power, the, the power, the, the fire being extinguished. You see, it's a real possibility. God wouldn't tell us not to do something that weren't possible to do. I guess oftentimes in different ways, you've heard me speak of facing our enemies, the enemy of Satan, the enemy of sin, the enemy of self. Well, that's a fact. But remember, Satan himself is the originator of sin, and he is the arch enemy of God and each and every one of you. <laughs> Sin that he originated was passed on by him to man in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says that we're, we're brought forth, we're born in that iniquity, with that sin. And of course, that's the problem with self. It's because self, that old man, he's still under the curse of that sin that's been passed on. We must if we're to deal with that sin, we must go to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only His shed blood on Calvary that will deal with that sin. Our sin, when it's dealt with by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, it is completely dealt with. And thank God, we sang that earlier, that we can say we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's what's redeemed us. That's what's taken away that sin. Positionally, you're already redeemed, soul and spirit. Not because of you, but because of your position in the Lord Jesus Christ. Practically, you're still living in an unredeemed body, awaiting, the Bible says, the redemption of that body. But I want you to remember and recognize in understanding this passage, keep in mind that Satan, sin, self, our biggest problem is self. That's where it's ended up. Yes, it started with Satan, and he's still our enemy. And yes, it was sin. Our sin, when it's dealt with at Calvary, our flesh, is still unredeemed. We've still got to deal with it. Yourself, your flesh that is still under that curse of sin, sin must be put away. Self or self-control, if you would, must be taken away. And the Spirit of God must be in control. We do not have to sin. We sin by choice every time that we sin. But there is one that lives within us that is powerful enough to overcome every temptation, to overcome every sin, and it's in him that we've been created in true holiness, the Bible says, in righteousness, because it's the Lord Jesus Christ's righteousness. It's his holiness, that of God himself. When we look at the cause, we looked earlier at the cause of the Holy Spirit being grieved. We look primarily at the whole list there of, of what we would call sins of commission, things that we do that we shouldn't do, things that need to be put away, along with that old man literally put away 
That was the primary focus of that passage. As we were told some of these things that we were not to do. But in the passage here dealing with the quenching of the Spirit, we find the focus here is on things that we are to do rather than things that we're not to do. The more primary focus on the things that we should do. And so therefore, it's not just the sins of commission that grieve and quench the Holy Spirit of God, but the sins of omission. The things that we do not do. In simple terms, folks, it is sin of any kind that brings grief to God the Holy Spirit. Sin of any kind that quenches the Spirit, that puts out that fire. Because anything, anything less than God's righteousness and true holiness, it falls short of the mark. Which we've seen that is the standard of the new man that has been created. The fire of God's Spirit is not to be quenched, to be extinguished, to be doused, to be caused to go out, or whatever you want to call it, with sin. James chapter 4, verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him, it is sin. It's not just the bad things that we do. It's the fact that there are things that we know that we ought to be doing that we don't do. Sin. Sin grieves God. Sin in our lives as Christian, it brings grief to Him. It brings distress to Him. It brings pain to Him. And it quenches the Holy Spirit. It'll put out that power, that fire that needs to be coming forth from all of us when He's alive and well and in control of our lives. It's God that needs to be seen. If Christ is to be seen in your life, it's going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit of God controlling your life that that's going to happen. Just as surely as obedience was a help to the feeling of the Spirit, it's got to be said that disobedience is a hindrance. To disobey His directions, to hinder His operations in your life is to quench Him. And He moves within our soul to do something and we don't obey, then we quench Him. He takes control of our lives in order to produce a life that's measured by the standards of God's holiness. To resist that control is to quench Him. Remember, we're talking about the conditions for being filled as a believer with the Holy Spirit of God. The first thing you need is for God to be in your life, to be a part of your life. But once He's there, He needs control of your life. We've looked at some helps, obedience, desire, trust, those things. We've looked at some hindrances, grieving Him, quenching Him. You see, today, folks, these things are meant to help you realize the potential in your life, of living a spirit-filled life, to avoid the pitfalls that would, that would hinder that. How can we bring all that together? I've asked you this question, how can God living in your life 
and be in control of your life, how can that be a reality? And not just something that you know all the, the theological truths about, but you don't know anything about the reality of God being there and God controlling your life this moment, this day, this hour, this week, continually. God doing what He needs to do, what He wants to do. That's when we'll be fulfilled. <laughs> I can't preach these passages as well today. But in closing, I want to read two passages to you. Hopefully, we'll just help you in trying to, to recognize, folks, we're looking into God's Word. We're talking about a potential and a possibility that never becomes a reality in most Christians' lives. But God, truly, truly having control of our lives and Christ being seen in such a way through our lives that it's the work of Christ that's being carried out continually through us. Very few Christians ever realize their full potential because self keeps getting in the way. I want to read these two passages. And I want you to... to to take and read them and study them yourselves. I, I was telling, I think it was Brother Chris this morning, you know, it becomes impossible. We sit down and we're on Sermon 9 of the Holy Spirit and I've already had to, to leave out so much stuff and I try to look and I figure, well, you know, I'm going to be here and, and I never get there because all both of these things today, folks, they're so important. We're trying to understand. It's, we need to know more than just a bunch of facts. We need these things to be a reality in our lives. That's why God gave them to us. They need to be put into practice. And these are two simple areas that so often we hinder the feeling of the Holy Spirit in our life. We hinder God having control of our lives because we're grieving Him and quenching Him. Notice when we read our text in Ephesians. Notice if we just carry on into the next chapter. And I'm going to read these verses. In verses 1 through 20, he says, Be ye therefore, in other words, folks, with all this in mind, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint's neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, no unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Ye were sometimes for ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the, by the light. Whatsoever 
doth make manifest his light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding that the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 6, we find in relation to the necessity of that old man being put away. I've preached this. We went through Romans verse by verse. I just want to take you back and read it and then leave it with you. He says in verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Literally, how could we even think such a thing? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism to death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Notice the next word, knowing this. Knowing this. Knowing it. It's got to be a fact. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, with the Lord Jesus Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. When that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. You've got to know, first of all and foremost, you've got to know that you've been saved. You've got to know that that old man has been crucified with Christ. He no longer is there. He's dead. Don't bring him back up. Likewise, notice the next word, reckon. Reckon. What's the difference in knowing something and reckoning something? Well, knowing it is knowing the fact. But when you reckon it, you take that fact, you apply it to yourself. You trust it. You do something with it. Too many people know the facts of theology. But we need to, he says, likewise reckon ye also yourselves. Just as Christ died, just as he died and rose again, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but the third word, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. 
You've got to know. You've got to reckon. You've got to yield. Don't give that old man the room that he wants. Yes, he's still there. Yes, he's awaiting the day of redemption. But you don't have to give in to it because you've got the new man. You've got God living within you. Let the Holy Spirit truly feel and control your life. We find that too many times, too many times, we get to the first stage, we know. We've heard all about it. We've heard it taught. We've heard it preached. We've read it ourselves. But we never reckon it. And we never yield ourselves to Him. We never apply it. I'm saying the potential for your life. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, how good or how bad a Christian you've been. The potential for your life to be a life that is truly filled and controlled by God Himself. Jesus Christ. Truly, Jesus, the same Jesus that died on the cross and rose again, that Jesus being seen and working through your life on a day-to-day -day basis, we find that that's what being filled with the Spirit is all about, folks. But it needs to be a reality. And there's so many things we can look at, but these are just a few helps and hindrances. Do we want it? Well, I'm not going to take time to read it because our time's gone. But there is another option. And that's Hebrews chapter 12, if you want to read that. Will you allow me to be just as blunt as the Word of God is? The Bible says if you want to continue in your sin, go ahead. <laughs> but expect the chastening hand of God. Expect the chastening hand of God. As a matter of fact, he says, if you want to live in your sin and not be chastened of, of God, he says you're none of his. matter of fact, the Bible uses the word bastard there. <laughs> you don't belong to God. You can claim it all you want, but you're not his legitimate child. If on the one hand, you claim all these things because of some religious thing you've done, some prayer that you've prayed, all these things, there's many, many, many people that are walking around that don't belong to God. They've got some religious ideas. Folks, there's nothing mystical and magical. I don't really care what religion and denomination and tags and things that men want to put on you, what I'm saying today, that if you belong to God, it's only because, that because of the Holy Spirit that has convicted you and shown you your sinfulness and the consequences of that sin, which is death, but that God wants to give you eternal life, that Jesus Christ went and died upon the cross. He paid for your sins so that you can be set free from them. And it's not some church that can give you that. It's not any preacher that can give you that. Jesus Christ himself. Folks, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that you could understand that you're a sinner, that you can understand the work that he did on Calvary, so that you could put your faith and trust in that, not in what you can do, but in what Jesus did. The Bible says... If you really belong to God, then sin is no longer an option. Too many of us are walking around and we just, the power of God is not real. Christ is not seen in our lives because there's too much of self still in the way. We find today that, oh, there's a much greater potential. The Holy Spirit came to give us that potential. He lives within you. But are you giving him control? Or are you doing things that will hinder him truly? 
having to control the power in your life that he wants to be. It's a choice. It's a choice today. What do you really want your life to be? Father, there's so many things that could be said and that certainly I could still say. But Lord, we come to the end of our time today. You know the hearts of each individual that is here today. Lord, I pray that there are those that have never truly been born again, never truly been saved, that don't have that confidence of knowing today that they're ready to face God, their Creator, face to face. Lord, I pray that by this Holy Spirit that we've been talking about today, that you would speak to their hearts and show them that. You could show them that Jesus Christ is the only answer. And I pray that even before this day comes to an end, even before this service comes to an end, that they would seek that forgiveness that can only come in Christ. And Father, for every Christian, Lord, we're not here today, Lord, to beat people over the head with sin. We're here today to show them the potential that's in their lives. If only you truly had control. If you were the most important thing in their life, rather than just something that is there when they have time for you. Father, I pray. I pray that you would help each and every one here today understand the greater potential that can be theirs of God being a reality as the Holy Spirit truly takes control of their lives. Help these things not just to be words that we read about and know about, but that will be applied to our lives. We give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.